You know, I've had the incredible honor of being involved in and responsible for several gubernatorial inaugurations here in Kentucky. Being a part of our state's history and putting together these every four-year official celebrations is one of the most challenging and tedious projects you could ever imagine. And the five weeks between uh, Election Day in November when the governor's elected and Inauguration Day in December when the governor is sworn in, we have to fully plan, program, put together, and produce about nine or ten inauguration-related events, including the big swearing-in ceremony that you see on the front steps of the state capitol building. To explain everything that has to happen would take way too much time, and depending on how geeky you are about history and tradition and logistics and security and protocol and dignitaries and event planning and all of those things, you'd probably get bored anyway. What I've discovered, though, is that the person responsible for it all, the services and ceremonies, the dignitaries and celebrities, the parades and the parties, that person doesn't have the opportunity to enjoy the moment. And when the opportunity does finally come up, a mattress and a pillow sounds much more enticing than another event. The last big events of every inauguration are the inaugural balls. When those are finished, we can all feel good that we've pulled off another near miraculous event. And as much as I want to, and as much as I daggum deserve to dance, once the governor has made the customary rounds at all the balls and given the customary remarks at each one, I'm ready to get in my car and head home. And usually that's exactly what I do. I don't stay for the big ending. I'll catch the news coverage the next day and see what it all looked like. Something, though, that I've discovered is that it's entirely possible to be in the very center of something very big and not even feel its impact. I've discovered in this case that for everyone else it's an inauguration, but to me it's a project, and that's a shame. And I bring it up today because we all know how busy and hectic this time of year can be. <laughs> We're always in danger of taking something meaningful and powerful and life-changing and turning it into a task list that controls us and drives us, becomes something that's much less emotional and certainly less worthwhile. I think most of us are guilty of powering through this time of year, or at least trying to. We take what's supposed to be a moment of holy anticipation and we make it a project. Like I said, that's a shame. So I think it's appropriate that we begin our Advent journey toward Christmas by emphasizing the gift of being aware. The gift of being aware of the moment and being awake to the now. This means being not just physically present, but present in all of the other ways too. Even present in waiting. Ooh, we don't like to wait. We don't like to wait. 
The Disney folks figured that out. They say if you pay us enough money when you get to our theme parks, you won't have to wait. And some people are willing to pay big money just so they don't have to wait. But Advent is about waiting. It's about a weeks-long journey that finally ends in a stable and a barn. Now, if we didn't know the end already, <laughs> it would probably all seem pretty bizarre, wouldn't it? To end up in a barn? It would be like getting an invitation to a great ball in a, in a gorgeous palace and shopping for the finest outfit and anticipating the occasion and marking the days. And then it arrives and you're suddenly surrounded by livestock and you smell manure, <laughs> and you realize you are way overdressed. <laughs> maybe, maybe if you'd known this is where the party was going to be, you might not have made such an effort. Maybe if you'd known you were going to end up in a barn with livestock, you wouldn't have waited at all. I challenge us this morning to think of our waiting in a new way. Stay with me here. Maybe Advent isn't as much about waiting for a baby to arrive as it is about waiting for us to arrive. When my first grandchild, Trey, was born, I have four of them now, when my first grandchild, Trey, was born, I used to drive to their house in Richmond, and I would just get giddy at the thought of arriving there and seeing him and getting to hold him. And for about 30 minutes, the drive of about 30 minutes, I would feel ecstatic with anticipation. <laughs> every single time, every single time, I'd get there, and the first thing out of my mouth would be, there he is! I'd light up, and he'd light up, and it was just pure heaven for me. I remember one day arriving at their house, and the door opened. I walked in, and before I could say it, Trey came running up to me, and he said, There he is! <laughs> My daughter Casey told me that He'd been running around the house singing a little song that he made up. G-Paws, come in, G-Paws, come in, G-Paws, come in. I don't know why it never occurred to me before that the baby being as excited to see the old man, that the baby could be as excited to see the old man as the old man was to see the baby. Think about it. That's Advent. The baby being excited about us. We sing songs about the baby. We read stories about the baby. We read scripture about the baby. We're all so excited about the baby. And I love the thought that the baby is singing songs about us. And reading stories about us. Is excited about us. That is Advent. When the baby is as excited to see you as you are to see the baby. It's Advent. Advent is knowing that even when you're in the car and you're on the way, it's the baby who's dancing and singing and all giddy and delighted at the thought of you just being there. Wow. 
That is Advent. I think that sometimes our logical thinking about Advent causes us to look at the time before the Christ child as a, a godless moment, an unholy moment, a, a time when the world was dark and there was nothing holy going on. And I know now that that's a pretty narrow way of thinking because I know that a lot of us Christians just assumed that God could only be experienced through the lens of Christianity. But before there was a Christianity, there was still a holy there was still a God. I believe now that there has always been something holy going on. I believe that it was going on long before the angels sang to shepherds and wise men followed stars. And I say this because I don't want any of us to think that as we make our way through Advent these next few weeks, as we anticipate the arrival of the baby Jesus, that we're looking back at a time before the birth when the holy was not already present. Between now and Christmas, we're inviting you to read Richard Rohr's book, Everything is Sacred. As a matter of fact, Pam and I want to invite you to join us as we read it together. She and I will be reading reflections from the book on our church's Facebook page every night between now and Christmas at 7 o'clock. If you can't join us then, the posts, of course, will still be on our Facebook page and you can find them and you can join in whenever it's convenient for you. In his book, Father Richard Rohr reminds us that God is not only visible and available through the person of Jesus, but even if that was the case, Jesus is more than a baby in a manger. He's more than a teacher on a, on a hillside. He's more than a healer on a highway or a Messiah on a cross. Jesus was and is a reflection of the holy presence that transcends all those things that existed even before there was a Christmas. In other words, God didn't just show up when Mary gave birth. God was already here. God was present when Jesus wasn't yet Richard Rohr calls it the already and the not yet. I like that. We're challenged to see the season of Advent not as an in-between place devoid of God's sacred fullness, but as a time that is, and I know Pam, you love this phrase, it's a time that's pregnant with the holy. It's a time to deliver when we discover that holiness and goodness and righteousness did not just show up when the baby was born. But the baby was born into a holy and righteous world that already existed because God already existed. And as Richard Rohr likes to say, the baby was born into an already Christ-soaked world. In other words, Jesus became the physical manifestation of what was already here and had been here from the beginning. But we still had to wait. We had to wait to discover this. And waiting ain't easy. Waiting ain't what it used to be. <laughs> These days we distract ourselves while we wait, don't we? Technology means that we can work while we wait. 
We can play while we wait. We can listen to our own playlist, or we can catch up on our reading, or we can order our groceries, or even do some of our Christmas shopping. These days, waiting doesn't necessarily mean anticipating, but it's more of an opportunity to catch up on other things. We can be easily distracted, and sometimes we forget that we're even waiting at all. I made a call the other day. I was put on hold. I knew that it was going to be a while uh, before I got to speak to anybody, so I put the phone on, the speaker phone on, and I went about my work and just keeping up with things. I totally forgot about the call. Totally forgot, stepped away, went to the bathroom. And that's when I heard the voice in the other room, Hello? 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 By the time I finished what was going on and got back in there, they hung up. I forgot that I was waiting. I forgot. It was my fault. I forgot that I was waiting. We'll be busy this Advent season. We'll be busy getting ready. We'll be busy cleaning up. We'll be busy with so many things, and we'll be so busy that if we're not careful, we'll forget that we're waiting. We're waiting for a baby. We're waiting for the baby to arrive. The prophets had been saying for generations that the Messiah was coming. But wait, they said, the day is coming when you will see God's promise of hope fulfilled. Wait. But no doubt, most forgot to wait. Notice, though, that the prophets did not say God, that it was God who would suddenly appear, but it was God's promise that we would see. Advent is not about God showing up. It's about hope showing up. God was already here. And truth is, because of that, so was hope. But it was important to God that we see hope embodied. The physical presence of hope through the person of Jesus provided the courage that the outcast needed to stand up for themselves. His messages of love gave permission for the reluctant to cross those cultural boundaries and embrace the other that they'd been told they can't embrace. His challenge to see the enemy as a friend and to consider the least among us as the greatest and his acts of healing were only examples and illustrations of who God has always been and not just beginning on Christmas morning. So, if Advent is not about waiting for God to show up, and if it's not about waiting for the baby Jesus to bring God into our world, and if it's not so much about God then it must be about us. If Advent is about waiting, it's about waiting on ourselves to realize that God has always been here. And we finally get to see what God looks like through the life and words and actions of someone who was sent to represent hope and all that it provides. That means that our waiting is something sacred. It's sacred because it's spent in meaningful suspense 
and anticipation that holy hope is about to be born. My request of you this week is to take the time to just wait. Try not to fill it with things that'll make the wait go faster or seem less useful, but simply wait because this time of waiting is sacred time. Thanks for joining us for the Bluegrass United Church of Christ podcast. We'd love to have you join us for a service sometime. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at 500 Don Anna Drive in Lexington, Kentucky. You can find us online at bluegrasschurch.org.